This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. You're at the table with Mary and Mariana. We're going to talk about some email responses today and also Swiss pairs. I've been playing in Canberra online a long time, Barry, when you're sitting on a seat upstairs in your office. Flimminette, <laughs> your turn next, isn't it? It is. I've got a couple more subjects too. I want to talk about procrastination. It ain't always a bad thing. And I want to talk about, and I know Mariana's deliberately avoided it because it drives her crazy. I want to talk about these four card overcalls. Oh, my life. (laughs) How do you meet the bloody count when they do that stuff? So Mariana's been playing in the Swiss Pairs. I mean, what is more popular than Swiss Pairs these days? Whenever you hold a Swiss Pairs event, they seem to be queuing up at the door to get in. Don't forget, I also played in the mixed pairs on Thursday and Friday. That was great. I really enjoyed both tournaments, and I dropped the wee line to the tournament controller. I thought it was brilliant. The mixed pairs, though, that was a Swiss pairs event as well, or was it an ordinary pairs event? it was the same. I thought we did okay. There was uh, 104 pairs, and uh, Kevin Birch and I from Franklin Club. Yeah, I was following your progress. If I've got any advice for people, it's you got to get over the number one. Because almost in every round, we had one mistake which cost us dearly. I don't want to make it too, Barry. I'm quite happy to have one as my favourite number. I think it was either Bob Hammond or Bobby Wolfe who said that, you know, if you think that one day you're going to go along to a bridge and not make any mistakes, get over it. It'll never happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to get through those and try and reduce them. Yeah. And we can, you know, the ones that are definitely able to be improved on. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So starting at two o'clock and finishing somewhere around eight o'clock. Quite a few breaks in between. Tell me about these four card overcalls though, Mariana. Are you recommending them? No, I'm not recommending them, but you've got to remember. And I tell you, I think there were three instances where they did my head in and I, I just sort of got my count wrong. And then by the third one, I kept saying to myself, God, how many times does it have to happen to you before you actually think, hey, could it be a four-card overcall? Nah, let's typical five, get your count wrong, bugger it. These overcalls, they're all at the one level, were they, Mariana? Yep. Yep. My first one that I came across, Hugh Grosvenor, overcalled spades, four to the queen. I was like, oh. I saw somebody overcalling with ace-king-jack-seven of spades, and I thought that was almost okay. Is it better than a double, though, Barry? What do you reckon? I mean, the only reason you might consider a four-card overcall is because your hand isn't suitable for a double, really. You haven't got the other three suits. I mean, you're a bit worried that if your double partner is going to bid the suit you haven't got, so they might decide to overcall a chunky four-card suit. I'm not recommending it, Mariana. It's like everything. It works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. I don't think I'm going to add it to my system card. <laughs> Look, the game is hard enough without wondering whether the partner's got a five-card suit or not when they overcall, I think. And then the second event I played in was the under-750 Swiss Pairs. That was 
pretty good. Uh, 56 pairs. So the first one we played four 12 card boards each day. And in the less than 750 Swiss pairs, we played five 10 cards. You know, the highs and lows of playing Swiss get up really good. And then you start whittling down. And then the next day you think, okay. Here we go. What's our aim? And our aim was to get up around about 25, 30. I'll tell you what, we actually had one round on Sunday where everything we touched was gold. I kid you not. And you'd get a game interest hand and and it was like, well, things have been going great. So we bid to game and that worked out. But the euphoria that you get from that, and of course we were pretty mild about that, the next board, even if it's not a game contract, you still want to give it a go. What do you think <laughs> about that? We were in uh, what? Heat one, Barry. That's what Zia calls. We were in it for that round. Mm, Ten rounds. I'm not convinced, you know. I don't think that the cards from this round are influenced what happened in the previous board. Those cards, they don't know what the other cards did. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take those small wins when you can get them. Some of our listeners who don't really play Swiss pairs, it's not like, you know, normal pairs at the club, is it, Mariana? It's no. a bit more like team scoring, where it's really important to bid games, even if they're a bit skinny. As long as half of them make, they're worth bidding, and you can't afford to be out of them. And yeah. over tricks, of course, they're not really important. If you can beat their contract, you beat it. If you can make your contract, you make it. It's sort of a simple game in a way, isn't it? The target is quite obvious. Once you're down in the boondocks, it's really hard to get up to glory. i tell you who I noticed was playing, and I never got the opportunity to play, was our friend John from Tasmania. Yeah, John Graves. I know he was actually leading for a while. Yes, well done, John. I'm not quite sure where he ended up. Did you notice? He was definitely top 10. Good effort. He'd be delighted with that. It was great. Managed to get to the dizzy heights of one once, Barry. (laughs) But hey, (laughs) been there, done that. (laughs) Got the T-shirts. Morgan Booker and I were playing for the very first time. We were practicing for Congress. And we were rather pleased with our general play and got a couple of things to work on. And I guess as a partnership, that's what you do. Now, there were a lot of Kiwis playing. I noticed like in the open Swiss pairs, there were heaps of Kiwis playing. And sadly, none of them made the top 10. (laughs) I think we'll have to claim Susan Humphreys. She wound up fifth. We'll claim her as a Kiwi. I saw Kermit was doing pretty good at one stage, sitting at fifth. Yes, so that was Pam Livingston, our regular correspondent. That was very sad. I hope she's not listening to this. She lost about six. 16 imps on the last two boards both of them were pretty unlucky and that dropped her out of the top five and in fact it dropped her right out of the top 10 so she'd have been a bit disappointed with that that was just pretty bad luck on those last two boards could easily have gone the other way okay now last week we talked about a couple of things new year's resolutions and we also had a vote for Novak. We've had some feedback. I think it's pretty popular. Novak, go home. And everybody be pleased to know that he has been deported. Yep, yep. I don't know about everybody. There's a few people not happy about it. Luckily, we're not a tennis show. So it's New Year's resolutions and trial bids is what our subjects last week. We had a couple of good emails, one from William Harlow, who we haven't heard from for a while. He did drop a line in about his New Year's resolution, and that was to have a better work-life balance. But he also had a comment about the trial bids, Barry, and he prefers to play short suit trial bids. What do you reckon about that? I'm probably just lazy. And I play long suit trial bids because it's a bit more natural. But I think he might be right, actually. Short suit trial bids 
could have an advantage. You can sort of have the best of both worlds, if you like, because you could play a no-trump bid as being, if you haven't got a shortage, so it went one spade, two spades, and you wanted to make a game try. If you're playing long suit trials, you just bid another suit or even a three-card suit if you have one in a suit that you need some help in. But if you're playing short suit trial bids, you obviously just bid your singleton and let partner assess it. And we have an email from Nick Whitten as well talking about trial bids and he talks about what you're looking for when you play short suit trial bids which obviously is if you make a short suit trial and your partner has three or four small cards in that suit that's great news for your side there's no wastage in that suit so short suit trials can be good you can almost have it both ways though mariana yeah you bid a short suit trial and if you just want to know where partners points are you could just bid two no trumps saying, look, I'm, I'm interested in game. I don't have a shortage. Partner can either, they can raise you to game if they've got a max or they can bid where their values are. If it's in another suit, if they've got yeah. king, queen of a suit, they can bid there. So you can almost have it both ways. And that's perhaps better than playing long suit trials. Because I'm a lazy bugger, I'll probably just carry on with those. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then, of course, we were talking about traits a little while back, about the most important traits for a bridge player. And William come up with, the number one has to be perseverance. You need to put in the mahi to get the treat. If you don't give it a chance, you won't come up to enjoy it. So how about that? Actually, we didn't even, I don't know whether we even talked about it when we were talking about the traits of a good bridge player, but he's right. Perseverance has definitely got to be up there. Stuff goes wrong. You've got to keep on trying. You've got to keep on trying to get better and trying to remember stuff. And, and perseverance is, is quite a biggie, isn't it? There's nothing worse than a partner that gives up. I must admit, something that Kermit said is that she loves playing on Real Bridge because she's in her own little world. She's got no distractions and she finds that she can concentrate a lot more. William also made a comment about traits that can help is play concentration and multitasking. I must admit, I found that I was much better um, able to concentrate playing in my little office at home. No distractions. Had family downstairs, the door was closed, and it was great. So I am sort of leaning. I quite like Real Bridge too. But my New Year's resolutions were to play with different people and to play farther afield. So I played with two different people that I've never played with before in these tournaments. And goodness me, I played in Australia. So I've already ticked Canberra. two off my list. I've been to Canberra already. Yeah. I don't think it'll get me much on the A's to K's race, but there you go. <laughs> well, you can always calculate how many K's it is from here from Canberra and, and say you're taking that. I don't think Bailiff will allow me to take that one. Didn't he say something? You can get something like five metres from the kitchen up to the office. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your event your event is about to start tomorrow you've got the teams event how many people have entered i couldn't tell you how many teams there are it's always a popular event the canberra teams and there's two days of qualifying and if you qualify you get to pay more money you get what <laughs> you get to pay more money so if you make the top 16 the top 16 qualify for the next stage yeah but to play on that, you've got to pay more money. Hey, it's all right. New Zealand Congress is going to do the same thing this year. So you get to pay more money. If you make the top 16, they play off just like in a tennis draw. You have eight matches and the eight winners go through to the next round, the round of eight. And guess what, Mariana? What? They get to pay more money if they make the top eight. <laughs> and at the moment, Barry, there are 90. 90 teams. Yep. I don't imagine they'll get too many more because it starts tomorrow. So 90 is not a bad number. 
And in the open Swiss pairs, there was 145 pairs. And in the 750, there was 56 barracks. It was a good effort by Canberra Bridge. I think people liked it and all the best for you. Good on them for running the event when they weren't going to be able to have it face-to-face. We actually played against Julian Foster. I was just chatting to him after the event and I said how easy it was to register for my ABF, so it's sort of like a an easy link to ABF, and I was able to update my information and to pay for the tournament was really good. Like you know, I've said how much does it cost in fees? Well, for my first one, it was sixty dollars for both days, so thirty dollars a day, and the fees were five dollars twenty shared between myself and my partner. And for the second event, when you talk about fees, you're talking about the overseas. Yeah, um, money exchange. This isn't ABF. I'm getting this. The second event was actually must have been a move in the amount of the New Zealand Australian dollar, and it cost uh, four dollars twenty. Okay, not too bad. I paid for something over there, and I was pleasantly surprised it didn't cost all that much. And yeah, I found my ABF is quite easy to use. <laughs> this is a New Zealand Bridge show, but we've got to say that we've got lots of listeners over there in Aussie, and the ABF. Yeah, they've done a good job with my ABF. It certainly is. Anyway, that's it from us all the moment. We're going to head off and listen to Judge Julian Kermit. Coming up next, we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Good morning, Judge Julie. How are you going today? I'm good, thank you. Very good. We've got an exciting point to talk about today. Yeah, Julie, what do you think? Is honesty always the best policy? Well, we're about to find out. If somebody asks for aces and it's just a Gerber sequence and their partner tells them some number of aces which isn't what they've got. But then partner asks for kings and they think, well, I better lie about the kings as well to make up for the lie I told about the aces. So they tell them something else and then partner signs off and whatever they sign off in. Are the opponents entitled to be a bit annoyed when they find out that they have this many aces and kings doesn't have either of those? We are entitled to feel aggravated and annoyed. The rub of the green has just gone against us. So they've had a almighty foul up. And I know when it's happened where I've had the fortune to be on the other side that I've always apologised to my opponents because it feels so bad. <laughs> and it's really hard to live with. So a couple of things. First of all, if you, you're going out asking and your partner makes the wrong response and someone asks and you tell them what the bid means, and your partner, who has realised already that they've made the wrong response, also has that explanation. They can't do this. If you've made a mistake, and then there is an explanation at the table, you can't do something to correct where your bidding went wrong. It is unauthorised information. There are some things around that where things get very sticky, and the director should be involved. And believe me, I replay such a complex system that it really is horrible when someone asks and you know you've gone wrong and you just have to sit there and grin and bear it if no one's asked anything and you've realized you've gone wrong yes you can try and correct the information by doing something the next time in the form of a lie when people ask the information at the end of the hand the only thing your opponents are entitled to is whether you have an agreement so if there's no agreement there's no agreement and if you have an agreement, what that agreement is, not what your partner has said in the bidding that they are looking at. You are only entitled to your opponent's agreements. And that can be agreements that are explicit, 
so that you've actually spoken to your partner, had a meeting of the minds and agreed something, or implicit, where things occur over a period of time and you know that your partner does various things that might be, have become lazy or slightly different from your actual agreement in your system. Explicit, implicit agreements have to be described to your opponents when they ask. If you've made a misbid and it's been described correctly by your partner, you're under no obligation to say to your opponents, I've been a twit and I really don't have that. You put your cards down, you run from dummy saying, oh, I've got to go to the ladies or whatever the heck you have to do. (laughs) If partners in the habit of miscounting their aces or kings, you probably should disclose that as well. Absolutely. Partners shown one ace, but they can't always count to one. I mean, it's great fun, isn't it? You, but you go ace asking, they say, what does it mean? You say, well, it shows two aces, but often my partner gets it wrong. <laughs> I, I like that saying that Judge Julie said, Barry, that you've had a meeting of the minds. And yes. then the other one she said that made me laugh was, because you're a twit. <laughs> well, actually, okay. I quite like the third one, and I want to ask Judge Julie about this. She said that with the system they pay being complicated, if they make a mistake, they have to grin and bear it. Is that B E A R or B A R E, Julie? <laughs> well, I don't know why I talk to you. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thanks for that. That's awesome. I'm still trying to get my head around Barry's comment. It sounds like he's trying to turn bridge into strip poker. Or is it strip bridge? <laughs> I tell you what, no fair bridge would be so much better for people if they had to bear everything when they made a mistake. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I could think of some pretty ugly. No, no, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. That's exactly right. Well, thank you, Judge Julie, and we'll catch you next week, or maybe not. Okay. And I'll see you in Canberra in a few hours at table two. Yeah, two o'clock. <laughs> Good luck, you two. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond with Kermit. Phenomena. 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 Good morning, Kermit. Nice to see you again. Hi there. Man, are we having the summer of all summers in Taranaki? Well, we were the sunniest region last year which is quite surprising. But honestly, it's been very tropical, not much grass growing. I think we're in a drought. <laughs> I, saw that. I saw that New Plymouth had the most sunshine hours, and if you wanted less sunshine, you had to move to the west coast of the South Island, not the North Island. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful in Hamilton too. I love hot weather. 30 degrees today, they reckon, in Hamilton. Well, I've got a topic to talk about today, and it's very topical, having just played four days of Swiss Piers in Canberra. So I want to get your thoughts and have a good, robust discussion. Tactic. So imp scoring, both in Swiss peers and in teams, do they have different tactics? Playing a teams event, playing a Swiss peers in a big field. Different tactics? What do you reckon? Mine should be short and sweet because I don't actually plan tactically when I'm playing Swiss pairs. So I'm probably going to sit back and listen with you two nutting it out. Talk about, you get splinters from sitting on the fence, Mariana. But um, <laughs> as you got to admit, I've never really thought about the difference between Swiss pairs and teams. I always sort of thought it was similar. 
but it probably is different, isn't it, when you've got a big field of people? It does seem in Swiss pairs that if the cards are against you, your destiny is not necessarily in your hands. Whereas when you're playing teams, all you need is some good teammates, isn't it, Pam? Well, I'll tell you what I think about this question that I've asked everybody, but I've prepared an answer for. <laughs> I think when you're playing teams, you've got one opponent. You really have to just do better than that opponent. But when you're playing Swiss, so I think there were close to 150 pairs in the open Swiss pairs in Canberra. Your teammates, you've got 150, 149, and some of them are world-class players who represent their country, and some of them are quite newbies to tournament play, and they're all your teammates. So I think that old thing about dodgy slams comes into play even more. Well, if I was playing in a team's match and I knew Barry and Jenny were sitting in the same seat as me, I know they're quite aggressive, and it looked like it was a 50-50 slam, I think I'd want to bid it because I'd think they were going to bid it. But in a variable field, you go off, you're going to get a really bad score. But if you make six, when six doesn't seem that obvious to bid, you're not going to get a bad score. So I think you've got to think a little bit about who your teammates are. People might disagree with me. You just play your game, do all that, the same as in teams. But if there's a marginal decision, especially round slams, You've got to think about who your opposition are. So there you go, Mariana. If you think Pam's been taking a long time in the auction, she's not necessarily thinking about the hand. She's trying to look inside the heads of 146 teammates. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder we never have any time at the end of the match. <laughs> oh, well, that does actually make sense. I possibly could have used your little conversation today, yesterday, Pam. <laughs> ah, aha, yes. Well, tell me about that, Mariana. I thought we had a slam going and I bid to slam and we went off. I was actually the only one that bid it. There were a lot of people in three no trumps making six and a lot of people making five, the majority. And we were the only ones in six no one off, which cost us a little bit. And we had a bit of a slide. Out. Mariana and I talked about this hand this morning as we were catching up, but there was something else that she confessed to during this hand. Now, she wasn't actually declarer, she was a dummy, and she was playing the hand, every <laughs> card in her head intensely, trying to mentally work out the best line and to have a telepathic communication with her partner about the best line. And she got told off, didn't you, Mariana? That's right. <laughs> What's Pam's tip as dummy? What are you meant to do, Barry? You are meant, that's right. You are meant to be having a little rest. And I wasn't. Well, tell me, all that thinking you did, Mariana, and effort that you put into the best line, what use was it to you when your partner was the clearer? Not very useful. I had no <laughs> control. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still reckon... That if Pam's partner is declarer in four diamonds redoubled and vulnerable, oh. that she won't be sitting back relaxing, Mariana. <laughs> She'll be there watching every card. I reckon sometimes, and yeah. like this one here, you're in six no trump, it's hard to relax. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. And I quite often, if I go away from the table and something like that's going on, I don't ask the result. But when I come back, I just go to the next hand because 
If it's gone down, then I don't want my partner to relive it or give the opponents a chance to have the pleasure of telling me. And if it's made, well, then that's good, but it's over, right? Next board. True. Well, I felt bad because I did it. What are you meant to do? Look after partner. And in that particular instance, I didn't. So I felt sort of bad about that. that score sheet. There was just that little lonely 100 on that side of the score sheet. I did see yeah. that. It was pretty but sad. I just would make a highly commendation for you, Mariana. And that is, I haven't heard one word of blame on partner and you're thinking about what could you have done differently and that's a very very commendable attitude at the bridge table just what could I have done differently yeah it's very commendable just thinking what could I have done by the way Mariana if the club finesse had have worked on this hand six no trumps would have made and you'd have had the only 1430 on your side of the sort score sheet and we'd have nothing to talk about this morning <laughs> thanks barry anytime <laughs> <laughs> hey barry you were going camping last week how did that work out oh god what did you have to ask for it was a bloody goat track i'm telling you there were tree roots there were hills it was supposed to be an easy walk i was knackered after two days i was looking for somewhere to lie down got home and thought oh this ham will be all right in the fridge i'll have a ham sandwich so then I ended up with about a food poisoning for two days i mean oh. up all over the place so, oh, sorry I asked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Next week's going to be better. See you then. Yeah, has to <laughs> be. At least he didn't sprain his ankle like I told him to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, right, thank you and good luck, you two. We will catch you next week. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Good luck, Barry. Yeah, if you end up at table 27, I'll see you there. Bye-bye. <laughs> Join us next week at the Lily Pad. With Pam Livingston, Bridge Coach. See you. Phenomena. And to end the show, Barry's going to talk about procrastination. Yeah, people usually think it's a bad thing, don't they? Procrastinating, putting yeah. something off until, yep. you know, do today what you can do tomorrow and all that sort of stuff. But when you're playing a bridge hand, procrastination is not such a bad thing. You know, you quite often have a critical suit that maybe you could finesse either hand for a queen or you've got a suit that you don't quite know how to play and there's a few options. Procrastination in those situations, if you can put it off for a while, it's often right to put it off as long as you can. Play other suits and see what's happening with those. You know, sometimes the opponents might even make an error. We know how hard it is to defend. So leave that decision until the last possible minute that you can manage when you've got a critical suit. Don't be in a hurry. Sometimes it's really tempting because you're in slam and you think, God, if this finesse works, I'm making it. Oh, geez, I really want to do it. I want to find out now whether I'm making it or not. Well, <laughs> Just be patient. Perseverance might not be the only thing that makes a good bridge player. Patience is another one. And a bit of procrastination never hurt anybody, Mariana. I have heard Ashley Bart talk about that. If you've got a long suit and you are looking for something, just play it. Play it nice and slow. See what they do. And who knows? The opposition may just get a little bit bored or lazy and flick out what you actually need to happen. They might even be getting a little bit squeezed or think they're getting a bit squeezed because they've got something else they want to keep as well. Even if your long suit is only four cards long, play it anyway and just make somebody discard once or twice and see see what happens. That's my tip for the week. A bit of procrastination never hurt anyone, even if the dummy's getting a bit impatient, Mariana. <laughs> I 
I think that's a great tip. Barry Jones doesn't procrastinate. He's like, wham, bam, take command. It's all over and you've got something like 25 minutes to the next round. It doesn't sound like you, Barry Jones. Occasionally, a bit of procrastination is what's required. That doesn't mean I play any slower, Mariana. It just means I leave the critical decision until the end of the hand if I can. Uh, that's it. I see. A really good tip. Oh, so we'll have some results and let's hope there's some Kiwis in the top 10 at Canberra. Okay, everybody, have a fantastic tournament if you're going into the team. Good luck. Catch you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.